This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. One aspect of Second Story that I love is how when our stories are stripped of their details, I can always find a relatable moment from my life in the simplified synopsis. This episode's story is one, however, that I'm very excited to share with you because of just how specific its concept is. This week's teller, Lawrence Kearns, is a child psychiatrist and a writer. But his story is about something quite outside those areas of expertise. Namely, his plan to build a full-scale replica of Henry David Thoreau's cabin with his four teenage children as the construction crew. This particular story shares how this unique and ambitious project got started. Recorded live at Webster's Wine Bar in Chicago in May 2008, Second Story is proud to present Building a Solid Foundation. So a few summers back, I came up with what I thought was a great idea, to build a full-scale replica of Thoreau's cabin in our backyard with my four teenage kids. I imagined us all working happily together chopping wood and hammering nails, pausing every so often to sit beneath an oak tree and read a passage from Walden. As it turned out, the kids were not as enthusiastic about it as I thought they'd be, but tonight I'll just tell you about the time we tried to build the foundation. It was early in June, and my wife and two sons were going to be away for the weekend, so I thought it would be a perfect time for me to bond with my daughters. When I find them hanging out in the family room, Caroline, the 17-year-old, is sitting at the computer checking her email. Jillian, the 16-year-old, is lying on the couch, sipping a Diet Coke, looking at People magazine. So I make my pitch. Who wants to help me make some concrete and build a foundation tomorrow? (laughs) Not me, says Caroline. I'm going to Lollapalooza with my friends. Caroline talks fast, walks fast, and hates it when anything comes between her and her friends. No way, Caroline, Jillian says. I need the car to go to the mall. Jillian doesn't walk if she can ride, doesn't stand if she can sit, And lying down is her favorite position of all. (laughs) No way, Jillian. You can go to the mall any day. Lollapalooza is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You went to Lollapalooza last year. Shut up, Jillian. I should have known that you can't say to my daughters, would you rather go to a rock concert or mix some concrete? First, you have to propose something much worse than mixing concrete. And then maybe they'll agree to do what you want. So I should have said, girls, I need you to clean up the raccoon droppings in the garage today. (laughs) To which they'd say, are you nuts, Dad? The boys can do that. They'll volunteer their brothers for any loathsome task. (laughs) I'm sorry, but the boys will be helping me mix concrete. Oh, no, 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 we'll help you mix the concrete. The boys can build a foundation with you anytime, but how often do they get the opportunity to clean up raccoon shit? Right, Jillian? 
But since the boys aren't around, I just say, look, you girls can help me build a foundation or not, but my car isn't going anywhere until the concrete is in the ground. See, rather than forcing them to help me, I'm using a psychological strategy to motivate them. Although Jillian says, nice try, Dad. You're just trying to force us to help you. Anyway, <clears throat> early the next morning when they shuffle out of the house, Caroline is wearing soccer shorts and flip-flops, and Jillian is wearing her pajama pants and Sesame Street slippers. All I say is, nice shoes. Don't start, Dad. Just tell us what you want us to do, and let's get this over with. Well, first I want you to put these on, and I hand a pair of my work boots to Jillian and her mother's rubber gardening boots to Caroline. Then I give them each a pair of heavy-duty work gloves, and in the big boots and oversized gloves, they look like a couple of sleepy cartoon characters. Now we're ready to build a foundation, I say. And Jillian rolls her eyes. So we pile some concrete mix into the red wheelbarrow and push it out to the far back corner of the yard where there's a little pond about the size of a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. Next to the pond is a clump of buckthorn and ash saplings that ever since they were little kids, I've always referred to as the woods. In other words... Perfect spot to build a 10 by 15 foot replica of Thoreau's cabin. <laughs> As I unravel an old vinyl garden hose, Caroline says, Why do you have to drag us into this, Dad? <laughs> to tell you the truth, I don't want to drag them into it. I want them to drag themselves into it. I thought you'd like to walk in Thoreau's footsteps, I say, to which she says, I don't want to walk in anybody's footsteps. I just want to go to the widespread panic concert with my friends. <laughs> Attempting to ease the tension, I say, you choose widespread panic over Walden? Funny, Dad. She checks a text message on her cell phone. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jillian flops down on a nearby tree stump. I don't want to stand around here all day stirring cement in a wagon when I could be shopping for a dress for Katie's wedding. Katie is her older cousin, getting married in September on Cape Cod, where their mother and I were married 33 years ago. Jillian loves all weddings, even the weddings of strangers. But since I want this experience to be educational as well as fun, I say... Well, it's not cement, it's concrete, and it's not a wagon, it's a wheelbarrow. I think you girls should learn the difference. Why is what they want to know. So that when your history teacher says that the pioneers traveled west in covered wagons, you won't picture a long line of wheelbarrows with canvas tops. Okay. You might think it's strange that I would want my teenage daughters to learn how to make concrete. I mean, most kids these days don't even know where concrete comes from. But that's my point. 
I think that knowing where concrete comes from is like knowing where babies come from. It's just something these girls should know before they leave home. <laughs> Within an hour, Caroline's face is streaked with dirt and perspiration. She's moving her arms as if they were made of concrete. Jillian is sitting down again, checking for chips in her purple nail polish. In all fairness to them, it's hard work mixing concrete and bonding with your father. <laughs> to keep Jillian involved, I pass her the hoe. What am I supposed to do with this thing? Pretend you're mixing batter for a big cake. Gross. Okay, you know what? You girls are going to thank me for this someday. Thank you. We're not even going to forgive you. Got to build our love on one foundation. Got to build our love on one foundation. <clears throat> Nevertheless, eventually, we establish a rhythm. I turn over a lump of the mix. Jillian adds water, and Caroline rakes it back and forth until it's smooth. It feels good making concrete with my daughters. But then I have to go and open my big mouth. Hey, this isn't so bad, is it? Now, when someone says this isn't so bad, you know they're thinking it is that bad, but they want you to reassure them that it isn't. Jillian refuses to cooperate. I'm not going to lie to you, Dad. It definitely is that bad. <laughs> Why do my kids have to be so honest? Couldn't she just lie to me? I remember when I used to lie to my grandfather pretty much on a weekly basis. He was 92 years old, still practicing law, but he'd always wanted to be a farmer. So every Saturday morning, he'd put on his green overalls, get his wooden toolbox with the rickety handle, and head out back to work on his garden gate. My mother would send me over to help him, and he'd say, are you sure you don't have something better to do, young fella? So I'd lie. No way, Pa. I want to help you fix that gate. That's all I want from my kids. A little harmless deception. <laughs> then Caroline lifts a shovel full of the wet mix and announces, We're not like you, Dad. Now, just for the record, I don't want my kids to be like me. I want them to have skills I never had, to read philosophers I never read, to be creative in ways that I never was. I want them to be better than me. So I add a little more water to the mix and say, just out of curiosity, in what way do you think you're not like me? And Caroline says, for one thing, we don't care whether it's a wheelbarrow or a wagon. Jillian adds, and we don't like mixing cement all day either. Listen, girls, we're not just mixing cement. We're building a foundation. Caroline is now holding the hose in one hand and the hoe in the other. I just want to do things with my friends. You do things with your friends all the time. No, I don't. I never get to do things with my friends. Because you always want us doing things with you. 
practicing golf, reading Walden, building a cabin. Jillian sits down again. She's right, Dad. You want to be together with us too much. I'm flabbergasted. There's no such thing as being together with your daughters too much. Jillian is unmoved. Spending your whole weekend mixing cement with your father is too much. It's unnatural. It's not unnatural. It's poignant. That's all I was trying to do. Create a little poignancy. By the time we pour the last of the concrete into the ground, the sun is ready to set. I'm exhausted and relieved to have it over. But as I'm finishing, as I'm rinsing off the shovel, Caroline points to the foundation and shouts, Oh my God, Dad, look! Swimming in the pool of slush, struggling desperately to get out, is a little frog. He's about an inch long with brown spots on his back. I pluck him out, and as he wiggles in my hand, Caroline rinses him off. Then he jumps down and hops away towards the pond. My first thought is, thank God a frog didn't have to die for my cabin. But then Jillian says, oh no, there are more. I look down into the hole, and now there are frogs everywhere. They're popping out of little burrows, falling into the pool of concrete and swimming for their lives. <laughs> My next thought is, if I have to get all these frogs out of there, it will destroy everything. Do I have to sacrifice our foundation for some frogs? As I'm debating the issue in my own mind, my daughters scream, Save them, Dad. Save the frogs. You have to save them. That's it. I drop to the ground, plunge my hand into the concrete slush, and begin scooping out frogs by the handful. Caroline rinses them off with the hose. Jillian makes lots of sympathetic noise. One by one, we liberate the frogs from their concrete grave, and they hop off, giddy, toward the nearby pond. In the process, however, we're making a gigantic mess and destroying our new foundation. <clears throat> when the last frog was finally saved that day, I stood up brushed myself off, and looked at my two daughters standing there with their waterlogged boots and the concrete crumbs in their hair. They looked soggy, and they looked muddy. But for the first time all day, they looked happy. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. 
and rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Who said that every wish would be heard and answered when wished on the morning star? Somebody thought of that and someone believed it. Look what it's done so far. What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? And what do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. All of us under its spell, we know that it's probably I've heard them calling my name. Is this the sweet sound that calls the young sailors? The voice might be one and the same. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. It's something that I'm supposed to be. This story was directed by Amanda Delheimer with music and sound design by Misha Fixel. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Treehouse Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.